Schokolade. From Dame Cacao, I'm Max Gandy, and this is Chocolate on the Road, the show where we explore hot topics surrounding cacao and chocolate cultures around the world. So let's hit the road. In 2018, over 40% of visitors to Cambodia went to Angkor Wat. The famous ancient temples now draw millions of visitors each year. And with good reason. They're stunning. And there's lots of history behind them. But when a country becomes so known for one thing, it makes it difficult to become known for other things, like chocolate. Those other things have to be very persuasive. For example, after the Cambodian genocide and the civil war, the country was known globally for almost nothing else. And then the government opened up Angkor Wat to the public. Now the temple complex, thanks to social media, is arguably more well-known than the country's past tragedies. But Cambodia has a lot more history beyond just the genocide, and has plenty to offer beyond Angkor Wat. After my first visit in 2017, I was disappointed to leave with just a few bonbons from the country's only chocolate shop. Let me reiterate, this country with a population of 16 million people had just one chocolate shop. But just two years later, I came back to a freshly established chocolate factory, and the country's first harvest of cacao beans. It's an exciting time for Cambodian cacao and chocolate. So I went straight to the source. Well, after a few bumpy bus rides from Phnom Penh. The first cacao farm in Cambodia sits just a couple dozen kilometers from the Vietnam border. The country is visible just across the mountains bordering the property. Endless, tall, skinny rubber trees line the road and then the path to the farm. On our way, we passed a large truck piled high with bags of processed rubber sap. The sap is drained from each tree and mixed with acid to form a mushroom-looking blob, which stinks to high heaven. Such rubber trees are devastating Asia's tropical forests, and Cambodia is no exception. But luckily for us, rubber trees actually make for great shade for cacao. And in Cambodia, that's exactly what it's doing on a few small cacao farms. Right now, there are only 11 cacao farms in the entire country, all of them in the eastern province of Mandalkari. They're all a part of a business venture by one company, Kamkai. What is the significance of the farm's name? What does Kamkai mean? Kamkai? Yeah. Kamkai company the mean like Khmer also, Kampuchi and Kakai. And the sound like Kampuchea. Yeah. Kampuchea is the old name for the country, or now it's the kingdom of Kampuchea? No, long time. Long time. Yeah. This is the voice of Mr. Shantol Chan, part of the team behind Kamkai. While he's lived in Mondokuri for almost 15 years, his business partner, Stefan, is a bit newer to the region. But he's seen plenty in his six years in Mondokuri. What brought you to Mondokuri? My name is Stefan and I came here in 2013 to Cambodia. I lived in Singapore and I actually wanted to start with cacao and I was checking uh, where I would start cacao 
and I, and I wanted to do in Southeast Asia. So long story short, um, I, I ended up in Cambodia. I visited the first time, it's interesting, I visited the first time I checked with uh, Lam, Din Lam, I checked in Vietnam in 2013, and he showed me, and this is super interesting, in Bumatu, he showed me a few cacao farmer, and uh, the one that really shocked me in the good sense was a cacao farmer had one and a half hectare coffee and one and a half hectare cacao. And the guy, so three hectare, and the guy had a new house, a new small family car, electricity and water, everything. Um, and that one example I always remember when I came here to Mondulgiri, because the condition is almost the same, the altitude is the same, the weather is almost the same, uh, the soil is almost the same. And I think, oh my God, if, if they can do it like, it can live like there, then it is, would be possible here in Mondulgiri as well. But as another example, uh, I like to put aside this one, is the example that one time we had to collect uh, banana trees for as a, as a shadow tree for the cacao. We collect the banana trees from the old Pnung lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that lady had, amazing, she was already 70, and she had 10 hectare, 10 hectare land, all with banana, but she lived in a, in a shed. No yeah. electricity, no water. Yeah. And she was afraid that we would buy her land or what it is. She was always afraid that we she didn't want to sign anything. I remember that. So I, I thought, oh my God, she's sitting on gold and she doesn't have any clue. The lady had like 10 hectares and she's very poor. And on the other hand, 100 kilometers further there, people have three hectares yeah. and they have a new house, a new car. So, you know, doesn't make sense. <laughs> so that's why it is the difference between, the big difference between Vietnam and Cambodia, especially in Moldogri, in the very good conditions in Moldogri, Beside uh, working that in Vietnam they're working more with other uh, with pesticide and fertilizer, but uh, the big difference is in Vietnam they don't have that much land. They have the, the land is more an issue, and here in Cambodia it's it's funny. If you ask a Cambodian, do you have land, and they always say, nah, not that much. And so how much you have? Well, two hectare, three hectare, five hectare, uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like it's ridiculous. They have so much potential, but they don't know, like you said, Chantal, they don't know what what to do with it. Yeah. They have not the, the knowledge and they always, yeah, I don't know, they're not of knowledge and always a bit scared. So we started the whole business here, the cacao farm in Modugri. We made a lot of mistakes. And if we can learn the people not to make the same mistakes like we have with us, other farmers can grow and we can change Modugri into agro cacao forest. Like a, so you get a sort of forest, you get on yeah. the part you can get the forest back while having a good income at the same time for many people here in Modugri. Were there any attempts to plant cacao in Cambodia before now, as far as you know? No, don't have. Only uh, uh, Kamkai company. It's for me also new before. New, very new. Cacao First, or chocolate? Cacao <laughs> and chocolate. Sometimes I buy from uh, Mac, Bella Mac. I don't know chocolate. I read, but sometimes I don't know. Uh, my friend work with uh, NGO. Yeah, they have the knowledge and they go to Europe a lot, travel. They know chocolate, but they don't know the tree. I'd argue that most people don't know the chocolate tree, although that is slowly changing. But what I found so exciting about visiting the cacao farms in Cambodia is that there are so few of them, and they're so young. The oldest cacao farm in Cambodia is just five years old. In fact, at the entrance to Kamka's beautiful farm, 
is an area with much taller five-year-old trees. All of those trees exceeded my five-foot, seven-inch frame. These are the only trees that survived the big drought that devastated the region in 2015. Up until now, any cacao harvested off of these trees was replanted and turned into seedlings to be sold to farmers around the area. For the most part, the rest of the other trees were planted in 2016 and just started producing pods. All of that cacao came initially from Vietnam. It's just another step in the chain of Asian cacao, which you can hear more about in the previous episode of this show. Having such a young, fragile industry gives farms that are already producing an immense power. They have the responsibility of building Cambodian cacao, of building a reputation for Cambodia outside of the temples and the genocide, and maybe the black pepper. Unlike in neighboring Vietnam, there's only one chocolate maker in all of Cambodia, and they began selling chocolate only in July 2019, shortly after Kamkai sent them their first harvest. This is Wat Chocolate. I'm uh, Corinne Pouilly. I'm uh, Gaëtan Brosso. How did you learn about chocolate making? So um, my partner is, is working five years in India with the chocolate. And uh, we learn about him for one year before arriving in Cambodia and make the home chocolate. And then we look if they have a cacao farm in Cambodia and they have one. And we contact them and uh, we are the first one who buy the cacao and uh, make the chocolate bean to bar. Because when we find a farm, we don't have any um, customer. customer in the beginning. So we are the first customer and we buy all the beans for the first time. Since their first shipment of beans arrived, the couple has been working to bring the chocolate they've been envisioning to life. It's taken a whole year to even start the business. So I wanted to know... What are your main issues right now with continuing to build the business? Okay, for the moment we are only three, but I hope so soon we have uh, staff. Then uh, if the cacao is good, we buy more machines and growing up. If the farm give me more cacao beans, we buy more machine and we grow in gold, for sure. Slowly, as the... The, the farm starting also, yeah, you know, the the, just, the, the, it's just starting to make the production. So for the moment, you don't have too much production. So we buy all the production. So he's starting, we're starting also. Are there any uniquely Cambodian flavors that you want to use in your chocolate that yeah. you are already using? that you plan to use? Uh, some we try already, like a chili or something like this. But yeah, it's very important to use a local product. Only local products. So cashew nut, vanilla, peanuts, mm. uh, cacao, and uh, sea salt, uh, pepper. Yeah, we, we, want, we want to work with only the local product. Could you tell me more about the salted pepper? What what is that? I've... It's a fresh fresh salted pepper. It's a fresh pepper. It take off the, the pepper fresh, and it put inside the salt, and the salt burn the skin. I think it's this. It's, it's coming black and uh, and like this. So it's it's not it's not strong. When you uh, beat inside, it's not strong. It's very soft. Yeah, it's it's still very soft mm. and almost chewy. Using ingredients like Kampot pepper, local peanuts, and Cambodian chilies is important. 
just as it is in any other country, trying to represent the flavors of their land in the products that they bring to market. And it's a subtle way to bring more associations to Cambodia, beyond the temples. The chocolate makers are doing their part in using these local ingredients, but their farmer partners out east are on a similar journey. Over the past 10 years in particular, so much of the land in Mondulkiri has been cleared. It's just been cut down. It's even changed the region's weather patterns. But maybe this could be the wake-up call the government needs to step in, even just a little bit. For people who are visiting Cambodia, what's something you wish they knew before they come to Cambodia? Cambodia is known for Angkor Wat. That's it. Angkor Wat. Yeah. Only Angkor Wat. People yeah, understand yeah. Angkor Wat? Yeah. Okay, Angkor Wat. Or the genocide. Or the genocide. Which here everybody wants oh, to forget yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. But if we somehow can make more clear that actually sounds weird from us, but I think if this part is getting more attention, would agree for more let's say they try also from the central government more to focus on the eco tourism for the area. Yeah, yeah, it will yeah, yeah. protect the area more than before. Um and I think cacao is fitting fitting into this idea very, very mm-hmm. well. Because you can do the same thing like uh, reforest yeah. uh, the provinces, uh, getting tourists um, to visit because of the, the waterfalls, Had the, the, water the, the, the tribal people, and the elephants, yeah. and then cacao yeah, yeah. is a beautiful fourth yeah. element in the, whole, in the whole mixture. This is a beautiful vision. But Chantal and Stefan will be the first to tell you that it's harder than it sounds. Cambodia is in a unique position with their farmers and their farmland. And it's hard to deny that the Cambodian genocide, which took place from 1975 to 1979, played a big role. The Khmer Rouge killed roughly a quarter of their own people. And for the two decades which followed, Cambodians were cut off from most of the world. They did what they had to, to survive. Now the country finds itself with some of the youngest farmers in the world. What is it like to be a farmer in Cambodia? In, in most countries, cacao farmers are in their 40s, 50s, 60s or older, but people in their 40s in Cambodia, they lived through the genocide and the war. Past the covenant. Yeah, because I, I don't want to avoid the topic of the war in here because it shaped Cambodia today. And it shaped how people think. That's true. That's true. But if you ask the war, they will ask, what war? What? <laughs> they don't yeah, they care. He experienced a lot of uh, things. Mm-hmm. But at the end, it's, it's a bit like him. And they look forward. But it's a good question. Yeah. There's a group of farmers that is not, not existing. So the older group is not there anymore. A lot of people yeah. from 50 plus, uh, not many, uh, 55 plus, not many. Yeah. But I think uh, family... Yeah, my family. How old are the uh, Not more the people around uh, 20 and 35, yeah. Nearly 80% of the Cambodian population lives in rural areas. Compare this to 20% in the US or just 15% in Brazil. Most people aren't seeing any of those tourism dollars from Angkor Wat. They farm for a living. What do you mean by the farmers are scared to plant cacao? Now, cacao uh, is new in Cambodia. So, a lot of people are not yet clear plan and market 
Yes, and who buy EBC? But the people still ask uh, which uh, country buy the cacao. They're always scared. Is there scare. a, mar- a market? Do they fear. Market, fear? Yeah. Is there a market? And when you have the chocolate, when they see the chocolate okay. factory yeah, yeah. here, yeah, yeah, yeah. then they suddenly or think, oh, because you know, for them it's very difficult to to, to think outside. They have no clue. But yeah, if they yeah. see, oh, there's a factory, and the factory is oh. doing the cacao and making the product, yeah. okay, then they like, so it's the overcoming this yeah. uncertainty. Where does that uncertainty come from? Why are people so scared to try new crops? No, it's crops. In the first of all, the fears in the genes of uh, Cambodia. Cambodia are, 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 are scared quickly. Scared. It's, it's from before. You always say, you always yeah. say, I, I am afraid. That yeah. Cambodian are always afraid. I, I think, s- I think uh, Cambodians still, they ask about half the market Europe or in, inside Cambodia or half the factory. Uh, uh, make it start in Cambodia. Yeah. The one thing is that they don't know chocolate. They don't know chocolate. They yeah. They don't know chocolate. Yeah. Cambodians don't know chocolate because they didn't have chocolate until very recently. Some kids may have tried compound chocolate before, but overall, it's a very foreign flavor. Maybe like lychee or passion fruit is in the U.S. Even Chantal only tried chocolate for the first time in 2008 as the flavor in a chocolate cake. When I arrived on Kamkai, Chantal and Stefan were bringing some of their farmers and employees bars of chocolate made with their cacao. The bars were made in Japan by a chocolate maker who visited earlier in the year. Visits from makers and outsiders like me can seem disruptive or showy in some places. But in Cambodia, it's a show of trust. It's not trying to show a visitor the farmers they're supporting by buying that cacao. Farmers are business people, and they should be treated as such. Quality speaks for itself. What they're doing with each interaction is building trust. Trust is the key to keeping farmers from cutting trees, as they're doing just over the border in Vietnam. They're showing Cambodian farmers proof of concept that people want to buy that quality cacao. They're bringing chocolate to say, look what you helped make, what you can continue to help make. But that's just part of the process. Important have the office in the location, have the company office everything here. They know we have Mr. Stephen, he's uh, from Europe. When they plan, sometimes they check, oh, company have here or have a, uh, the side or have Europe, yeah. So the establishment, so having like roots, like a tree, they trust that you stay in one place. You don't run and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they think, yeah, they ask about it also. But I explain the the company no run because we have the office, we have the agreement, the farm, the farm, yeah, everything, yeah, have here, not far. Not Phnom Penh, not Europe, yeah. So people, they lie with this. They trust. Yeah. What have been the challenges and the benefits of building a cacao processing center from, from scratch? Like what, kind of, what kind of setbacks have you had? Our farm, we problem water. Especially water. Yeah, and dry. So when the farmer apply, we learn already. 
have the issue, have the solution. So we guide the fund to prepare the the plan. But we have to say because we have we made many mistakes. Yeah. In the past five years, we lost a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, but we build uh, the knowledge yeah, now, and we can transfer the yeah. knowledge yeah. easy to the new generation, and we get. But at the, on the other hand, we have a lot of he especially get a lot of requests from other provinces, from Batabon, Kampuchang, yeah. from Port, whatever, and we and pretty hair, and, and we said no. At this moment, we don't do. Uh, important is the the condition in condition. Uh, in Mondulgiri, what to do, and uh, and we are guiding other farmers who start with cacao and we cannot do when they are in Kampot or Batabong or, or whatever, or Pet, or mm-hmm. too far. Um, so we do only here in these two provinces yeah. and also we believe that the conditions are here the best for the cacao at yeah. this moment. Yeah. One thing we have to say is that we started off with, from, according to the Vietnamese practice, we yeah. learned from uh, Mr. Din Lam from Mars Sustainable and he learned us how to do the cacao but we didn't think in the beginning how to grow it organically. Yeah. And at a certain moment, I forgot when, we decided to, okay, let's try to switch completely to organic. And that's where we actually have to learn ourselves how to, how to keep everything in the organic way. And that's yeah, something yeah. we have to learn ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. But we have to be careful that we protect the name. For us, it's very important that we protect the name, the good name of the Cambodian cacao. The because co- it's so new. It's very new, and the the thing, uh, knowing how corrupted sometimes the situation is with officials, and that we have to be very careful that we only from Cambodia will come the Cambodian cacao, or actually in this case the Mondubri and the Latinikiri cacao. And we have to make sure that not through other ways people will smuggle in Vietnamese cacao, Thai cacao, and sell it as Cambodian. I think that's part of like what's so interesting about Cambodian cacao is... I don't know any other countries with such a young industry, with with so much control over where it goes. Maybe in 10 years you're also growing close to Thai border, down in Kampot, yeah. who knows. But for now, you have so much control over quality, who you trust to grow the cacao, um, even water input. It's like, it, it's an interesting study for any other countries. It's a very good remark you say, because I think we have to, on the, for the sake of the people who get involved with the cacao, we have to keep control. And this is really a private, a private right, undertaking, yeah. that we have to make sure that we get internationally connected, recognized, and also inside Kampuchea, and that we protect the good name of the Cambodian cacao. Mm-hmm. Super, super, super yeah. important. There's one luck, a very funny luck, is that actually Mondugri and in some sense Ratakiri are a bit isolated. And I find I, I feel very pity because there are some initiatives from Thailand to introduce cacao to other farmers without guiding and ungrafted seedlings. And I'm, I'm really, I'm really sad actually that the farmer will then try and make an attempt to start with cacao and then don't know anything about it, grow the cacao, cacao dies because no shadow, because they don't know how to treat it as a shadow mm, tree. Yeah. And then they get like, ah, oh, I don't want to do anything, yeah. anything to do with yeah. cacao anymore. Set so for the investing of the yeah. farmer, yeah. for losing his money, and set for the name of the of Cambodian cacao for the farmer. Everything has to come back to the plan, even after a setback. 
They've learned not to approve farmers unless there's a nearby water source. Drought has become a consistent problem in the area. Maintaining organic standards for all cacao farmers is easier said than done. But it's still worth doing. Important thing to say that this is a joint venture of um, of the farmers, and that we actually want what we want to uh, achieve is getting uh, really at least like 200 and hopefully like 500 farmers combined in a big association, where we uh, with a big strong group inside these provinces we can make really a strong statement and then connect ourselves internationally, and this will um, actually also help us uh, uh, to keep us strong for unwanted consequences from businessmen who like to take a shortcut and uh, this is a bit Cambodian style. Mm. It happened in the past and we have to protect ourselves against it. Um, so uh, let's put it in these vague terms, but I think it's very important that we combine and we make a very strong group, a very strong association with the people here. With people. Would you say that people are taking those shortcuts, the Cambodian style, as you said, because so many times in the past, these big changes have happened and people need to leave or they need to make money fast and... It's make money fast. It's, it's, it's from only some, the rich layer, trying to make a, a shortcut. And what we're trying to do is actually to get the lower class and the middle class actually to, to combine and profit. If we can all benefit from, from this together, it will make us very strong. The chocolate and cacao industry is just starting in Cambodia, and I can't wait to see it blossom even more, at home and on the road. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Chocolate on the Road. If you liked it, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts and share it in any way you see fit. Your support makes all the effort put into each episode worth it. An especially huge thank you this week to Chantal, Stefan, and the team over at Watt Chocolate for being in this episode. To learn more about our guests, check out the show notes for this episode at the link in the description or on my website at damecacao.com. That's D-A-M-E-C-A-C-A-O dot C-O-M. Have a wonderful day, and I hope you'll join me next time we go on the road. Thank you.